Welcome to Sense by Meg Forer, the podcast that's brought to you by ParentSense, the app that takes guesswork out of parenting. If you're a new parent, then you are in good company. Your host, Meg Forer, is a well-known OT, infant specialist, and the author of eight parenting books. Each week, we're going to spend time with new mums and dads, just like you, to chat about the week's wins, the challenges, and the questions of the moment. Subscribe to the podcast, download the ParentSense app, and catch Make Here every week to make the most of that first year of your little one's life. And now, meet your host. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Meg Fora, an occupational therapist, and I have an absolute passion for working with mums with little babies. And in this podcast series, each week we meet different mums, usually actually Cassidy, who is on with us today, and we follow them with their journey as they go through life with their little ones. And this week, we've got little Max, who is 17 weeks old. Cass, I cannot believe it. (laughs) The the dreaded 17-week sleep regression, which actually happened a little earlier, but that landmark has arrived. So tell us how the week has been. Well, (laughs) Um, of course, we left you on a cliffhanger last week because he was going for his weigh-in and he had actually lost weight. So he previously, his weight gain had slowed down, but he was still gaining. But this time when we went, he'd actually lost half, uh, he'd lost 50 grams. So we've been referred to the pediatric team here Mm -hmm. to see what is going on there, but I have decided to stop breastfeeding. I'm expressing and bottle feeding so that I can monitor exactly what he's What's having. What's going in. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that was, that's been a bit sad because obviously my last feed, I didn't realize was my last feed, mm. but it actually was not a very good feed. He didn't, he didn't feed very well at all. It was the one just before we were going to the doctors and he was really fussy and he hadn't really fed. And I thought, oh, I wish he'd done a good feed because he might weigh more (laughs) if he had a full tummy. And I did mention that to her. You know, I said, if he'd have done a big feed, would he have maybe a a bit better? Or she said, you know, no, the fact is he's, he's not putting on the weight like he should. And so we have moved yeah, to, to bottle feeding. We haven't been doing it for very long. It's only been a couple of days, but he is definitely feeding better. And I think the main thing is when he is acting almost like he's bored and moving his head away, the bottle can go with him. Mm. So he, and he's, he's fine with that. I think the issue was when he pulled off the boob, <laughs> there's only so many angles <laughs> I can get my boob to. So if he didn't want to face into my chest, he just, he didn't feed. And I think that this bottle doing bottles might be a bit of a game changer. It also, as I said, means I know how much is going in him. And mm-hmm. so that worry or unknown has gone. And I know that if he doesn't do a very big feed, it's only a few ounces, then you know I'll, I'll feed him again later and I might try and give him a bit of a bigger feed or I can just monitor things. So it's sad but positive. So, so, so are you offering express breast milk or are you looking at formula at the moment? Express breast uh, milk. Express breast milk apart from at night mm. where he's on formula. So he has formula just before he goes to bed. And then in the middle of the night, at the moment we're on around midnight, he has his first feed because I don't know if you remember, we've managed to get rid of that 10 o'clock Great. wake. He's still waking before midnight, but we just give him the dummy and he goes straight back to sleep. 
Which like is perfect. instantaneously. Mm. And then he'll wake at about midnight and then he may wake again for the dummy in between, but he will feed him at three o'clock or four o'clock. So, so those will be formula just because we're being a bit lazy at the moment until we get to grips with this bottle feeding. Mm. But you can buy the ready-made bottles of formula that you just pour into the bottle and off we go. So when he's crying in the night for his feed, I'm not sort of wasting time while I get to grips with how formula works yeah. <laughs> um, for the first time. But the plan is to to move on to formula yeah. at night. And then that first feed in the morning, I pump and, and give that to him, or it'll be one from the you know freezer yeah. or something that yeah. we defrost. That's excellent. And, you know, I mean, I think what you, what you spoke to there is that he is a social butterfly. He, he was very gregarious. He, you know, we, when, when we first met Max, we really felt like he was a settled baby because mm. he was fairly laid back. But actually in those sensory personalities, they often do end up moving towards being social butterflies, particularly if there's, you know, if they've got very engaged parents and very engaged family that, you know, kind of are very animated, they start to learn that actually this whole world could be a whole lot more interesting. And I think it is like that for Max, that his world is interesting. And so he's seeking information. What often happens is that they show quite early signs of actually needing, wanting to start solids. Has he been very interested in your, in when you are eating? Is he showing you those signs? He has. And actually we now sit him in front of us when we are eating. I mentioned it to the GP when he went for his way in that I was really keen to start him and she felt it was too early. So she said to speak to the pediatric team about that. So when, when we go there, we'll have that conversation, but we have this weekend, we did go in and order the high chair just so that so yeah. that we're full steam ahead when we get when we get the go ahead but yeah I mean he he definitely I think is showing signs mm. of, of social butterfly so let's, yeah <laughs> no, he certainly is so let's just talk about solids though because of course now you we've brought up something that is highly controversial and as you know from my books and the app um, we do talk about 17 weeks as between mm. 17 weeks and, and six months is the right time to start your GP potentially does not believe in that. She potentially mm. believes in the six months. And when you go to the pediatric team, you can hear a totally different story or one or the other stories. And, you know, I think a couple of things kind of come to mind that I think we should we ju- should just touch on. The first is, you know, there are kind of two guidelines that I use. The one is the age based on research that is safe for solids. And the other one is the individual baby, because those are mm. two completely different factors you have to factor in. So let's start with, with when can babies have solids? And, you know, I think the history to this is that allergies were on the increase. And well, there were two reasons why the World Health Organization recommended you wait until six months. The one was there, there was allergies and potential health reasons why they felt later introduction of solids was better. And that information has been refuted in a number of studies. So we now know that there's no increased chance of allergies in little ones who start in solids at 17 weeks at all. And in fact, there is an increased chance of allergies for babies who have late introduction of solids. So that's kind of after seven or eight months. So it does mean that you do want to have solids introduced at least by the time they're eight months old. So that's the first thing is if we know that there isn't an increased chance of allergies and in actual fact, babies who are like have very slow exposure to allergens like peanuts and fish and eggs are more likely to have um, allergies. And that's why in, in 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 the Weaning Sense book and in the Parent Sense app, we have fairly rapid introduction of new challenges in terms of, of allergen foods because it is protective. And we've now got enough evidence to know that that is 100% right. But the second reason why the World Health Organization recommended that babies don't have solids to six months is that they recommended exclusive breastfeeding. It wasn't that they were anti the solids, it was that they were anti anything but breast milk. And the mm. reason for that is that the World Health Organization advises mothers in developing countries where 
even giving your baby formula pre- presents a risk because water isn't necessarily pure and they and people are poor and so they are not actually using the correct quantities of formula powder with the with the water and so little ones end up being mal- having malnutrition and the best way to protect against that is to have exclusive breastfeeding until 6 months so that's a little bit of the history why the world health organization says that that information, of course, comes down into government organizations, which is your health visitors and your pediatric teams. And so that's what they generally stick with. And you're going to probably, I will put money on it. We can chat next week. I'll put money on the fact that they're going to say, wait until he's six months old. But mm-hmm. in actual fact, the science and the literature does not indicate that. And the pediatric dietitian who has written all my books with me and is advisors on the app is actually one of the, is on the, on the board or one of the advisors at Esfagan, which is the Infant Feeding Association in Europe. So we know that we, that we can stand behind that information. You know, I think from all of the stuff that I've seen that you've done and also the fact that he, these night wakings have been coming mm. into play. He's mm. a bigger baby. I was weaned at three months because mm-hmm. I was huge, mm. you know, and so I have one of the reasons I've actually ordered the high chair as well is because I've sort of decided when that high chair arrives, I want to start we'll just a little time. bit, a little bit. Mm. Yeah. So I'm, it, it's reassuring to, to hear. This episode is brought to us by ParentSense the all-in-one baby and parenting app that help you make the most of your baby's first year. Don't you wish someone would just tell you everything you need to know about caring for your baby? When to feed them, how to wean them, and why they won't sleep? ParentSense app is like having a baby expert on your phone guiding you to parent with confidence. Get a flexible routine, daily tips, and advice personalized for you and your little one. Download ParentSense app now from your app store and take the guesswork out of parenting. Having said that, you have to look at the baby themselves as Mm. well. So that becomes really important. And that means that some mums who are listening with 17-week-olds, their babies are nowhere near being ready. And whereas other babies at 17 weeks old are actually ready. And there are a couple of very clear kind of signals that we look at for them. One is that they should be able to sit quite robustly upright on our laps while being supported just around their lower waist and hip area. And so they're not shopping all over the place and falling over and their neck is kind of, their neck is not able to hold up their head. That would be an indication that they're not ready for solids. So, you know, anywhere between four and six months, he will actually be able to sit upright supported on your lap. And that's one of the indications. The other indication is a social indication, which is real interest in what you're eating, which knowing Max and the fact that he is a social butterfly means that he probably is already indicating that. And then there are a couple of other small ones like that he can hold on to things. He's taking things to his mouth and Mm. he's not, hasn't got as much of a tongue thrust reflex. In other words, when he gets his something to the mouth, he's not immediately pushing it out with his tongue. And when they start to indicate all of those and they're between four and six months of age, then it can be time for solids. And actually, it's interesting you say that because, so I've kind of gone through that checklist. He is sitting up, no problem. We actually went to a, it's called the Mum Club here, and it's an event for mums to go to with their mm. babies and to sort of have a bit of a social time. And he was, to me, 
he looked older than all of the other four month old babies there. He was, they were kind of lying in their mum's arms with a dummy and, you know, still bright eyed and alert, but Max was sitting on my lap looking around smiling. Yeah. <laughs> like he yeah. was the social butterfly again. Yes. Um, yeah. So there was that side and he does watch. But the interesting thing that I started doing is I just touched, I I was eating a satsuma and he was staring at me and I just bit it in half. I just touched the satsuma to to his lip to see if the tongue came out or it, what he did and his mouth was wide open and he was trying to get it. I was like, oh no, actually, sorry, you can't have that. <laughs> I was just seeing. Um, and he did the same. I touched a spoon with a little bit of pea puree to it yeah. and he, again, was trying to get it in his mouth. So to me, He's he ready. is 100% yeah. showing the yeah. signs that he's ready. Yeah. And one of the things that you mentioned just now, which is so, so, so true, is that this age is actually only for experimentation. So, mm. you know, and that's why, um, you know, Kath McGaw and I do talk about starting a little earlier than, than rather later, because it takes you a long time to ramp up to the right quantities of solids for it to make a difference to sleep or to meet their nutritional needs. And, and particularly iron needs, Kath, because as iron stores are going to be depleted at six months, which we know all babies are, they're born with iron stores and then they deplete by six months. And if they're on exclusive breast milk, there's no way to fortify breast milk. You know, formula milk and cereals, infant cereals, for instance, are fortified with iron. The breast milk clearly isn't. And so in order to get up enough solids in quantity and in variety to kind of tick the nutritional boxes, it's another reason to start earlier. But it does mean that you're going to be very experimental. So you might find, and you know, I, I remember this with myself, is that I started James on solids and then it became an obsession that I could never miss you know, a meal or a day. But in actual fact, because it's just experimentation, it doesn't matter. And it's, you know, you can have two meals in this day and only one tomorrow. And that's not, it's not a a train smash. Mm. So it's a nice slow introduction with, you know, very laid back and, and a focus on experimentation. Yeah. No, I'm, I mean, I've been so excited. I think you and I went for a coffee about well, pre-COVID, so two years ago or something. And I think I was talking about how excited I was about weaning then. And I wasn't yes. even married, let alone <laughs> So, yes, so I am very excited oh. about the whole process and seeing him explore new flavors, textures. and Well, one of the hazards that comes with having a social butterfly is that when they have, when you open up that weaning box, it's like opening Pandora's box because they are like, what? There's all these <laughs> wonderful delights that I can experiment with. And so they tend to like to go off milk quite quickly. And so you'll have to watch that. Until six months old, milk is the absolute priority. And so when you do introduce solids, you must always give them the milk first. Mm. So that you take away the hunger with the milk and then give them the solids to experiment with rather than taking away the hunger with the solids and then he'll eat, drink less milk. Sure. As it stands... You and I probably will speak, be speaking in a couple of weeks' time and you'll be saying he's kind of going off his milk a bit because when, when they realize that there's a whole lot more exciting stuff, they, they do become a little bit more resistant mm. to the milk bottles. So just make sure you're always giving the milk before the solid so that he is actually drinking the milk. Yeah. No, no, it's very exciting. It's very exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Have you decided or have you, are you thinking, are you getting your head around which vegetable or fruit you're going to introduce? Yes, Broccoli. Ah, okay. Lovely. (laughs) I read somewhere, well, first of all, when I was a baby, when I was weaning, I apparently loved broccoli, like absolutely. And particularly a very sort of well-cooked, I like the idea of the fact that you can do a combination where you could have a very well-cooked little Mm -hmm. floret of broccoli Mm -hmm. to 
self baby led and then I could do the puree um, as well so um but also I read somewhere that the bitter green vegetables are always going to be if you introduce that first then they might have a better chance of liking them down the line interesting very (laughs) interesting so I usually say go with the starchy vegetables like your butternut sweet potato james squash courgettes zucchinis you know all of that sort of thing Mm. But, you know, it's certainly nothing cast in stone. Those tend to be a little easier on the tummy. You know, your green and particularly your green leafy veggies can be a little bit of ga- gas producing. Okay. But yeah, give it a, give it a go with, with, with the broccoli. The, the app is actually going to show you butternut and sweet potato for sure. That'll be the first okay. thing. So as you switch across to, to weaning, you'll see that it's actually going to be the butternut. They're definitely, I think he's going to love those so much. I almost want to save them for when he's had... A treat. Yeah, because <laughs> I feel like he'll just think, oh my goodness, when he has something yeah. like sweet potato and butternut. Yeah. So yeah, Very we'll interesting. see. We'll see. Yeah, so what else happened this week? Well, the other cliffhanger that we left you on last week was we were going to get rid of the sleepy head. So the sleepy head has gone officially. Uh, The morning we recorded the last podcast, I'd put it in the cupboard and the last podcast absolutely solidified to me that it had to go Mm -hmm. because he was starting to roll last Mm -hmm. week and he's kind of getting a bit more confident on his rolling. Anyway, we took the sleepy head away that night it was a terrible night. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was. Would, it from the be. moment we put him down, it was every 45 minutes. Yeah. The next night was still not great, but not bad. And I spoke to a friend of mine, actually, who had she made a really good recommendation, but we both agreed it was probably too late. But actually to put a rolled up towel underneath mm. the sheet and then move that away a little bit more, a little bit more. But by that stage, I'd done two nights without sleepy head and I thought, I don't want to go backwards. We've got to plow on now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, by night four, we were, we were fine. He does, he now actually sleeps. He looks a bit like Jesus on the cross when he <laughs> sleeps. He's gone from needing to have his arms sort of close to him to sleeping completely out but he doesn't jolt when his arms sort of, what we yeah. watched him through the monitor and as his arms were going down towards the where the sleepy head would have stopped him and he sort of would jolt and that's mm-hmm. what was waking him up every time mm-hmm. but now that doesn't seem to bother him so yeah it's been a success so that's far brilliant. if you enjoy my podcast i would like to share one of my favorite podcasts with you the honest hour christina Mazurik is mom to two boys and a third little boy on the way She's an American expat living in Cape Town, South Africa since 2008 and decided to start sharing her experiences in parenting since 2017. Having grown up in a dysfunctional family environment in her own childhood, which led to her adoption at the age of 10, Christina is passionate about finding purpose and presence in parenting, as well as exploring our own opportunity for healing and personal growth as we navigate the world of parenting our own children. Christina believes in ending the trauma cycle and that in parenting our own children, we can learn how to reparent ourselves. So pop on over to Christina's podcast, The Honest Hour. Look, I mean, a couple of awesome tips there. I love the idea of rolling up the towel and putting mm-hmm. it underneath for mums who are trying to get rid of the sleepy head or dock tot. And you cannot believe that how common this question is to me now. Like, like when do I get rid of it? And I always say when they're about to roll and they say, oh, because it's going to be painful. And of course it is a little bit. So I love that piece of advice. 
And what's also interesting, and maybe something for you to look at, I don't know if you know this, but that babies use posturing to regulate their body temperature and moving your arms away into away from midline into a stretched out position is often an indication that the ones are very hot. So, hmm. um, so it might be interesting for you to just have a look at what the room temperature is and how well covered he is. That's really interesting because actually yesterday I walked into his room and it was he was doing very much of his Jesus Christ superstar yeah. rendition and but I thought oh my god the room is freezing so okay. uh, that was really interesting but, but it probably isn't that for him it's probably you know and that's the other thing is that sleep positions are actually one of our self soothing cues. So some little ones will actually take themselves and wedge themselves right up against the cot bumpers if they can, or the bars of the cot, or, you know, some prefer to sleep on their side. It's obviously just his preferred position, which actually is quite fascinating with Max because he never liked swaddling, which is so unusual in babies. Yeah, he didn't. And I think actually he just got used to the sleepy head, but I feel if we'd never introduced it, he would have been absolutely fine because he was sleeping like that, you know, with his arms up. So. So yeah, but that's, it was, it was tough, but if there are any mums doing it on the, or on your own first, first night or something like that, though, it, it happened, it moves quickly. Three, it seems to be the, the three night rule worked for us that, yeah. you know, it was, it went quite quickly, but it was tough when it, while it was bad. Yeah. And so just out of interest, what were you doing in those three nights? Did you just pat him back to sleep? Cause you didn't feed mm. him every 45 minutes. You just patted Ooh. him. Yeah. Yeah. So you yeah. patted him back to sleep. Yeah, he just, or he got the dummy because he does seem to, when he does wake, if we give him the dummy, he's going back to sleep really quickly. Okay, excellent. Good. Great, Cass. So, yeah, let let me know, was was there anything else? Were there some interesting products that you used this week? I'm always interested to hear about what products you're finding invaluable. Sort of, I went with a a bit of a theme this week of the bath because, interestingly, he has had baby eczema. And I, so I kind of, that took me on to thinking about the bath. The things that have solved his baby eczema. So in terms of toiletries, he's been putting oilatum in the bath um, and then just we use Aveeno body wash um, on him. And then we use CeraVe moisturizer and that combination has completely cleared up his eczema. So that was one thing, but the other thing, you know, made a big difference for us. Well, one was the rubber duck that has the temperature on it, not just of course you can check the temperature with your elbow mm. but one of the reasons that we found that really useful is it gave us an indication of when it was time to get him out of the bath mm. more so than when the bath was ready for him to go in we could keep an eye and when it started dropping and we thought okay no it's gone down to you know 35.9 let's get mm. him out it's starting to mm. get cold so that was quite enough and what really... are you putting him in at 38 39 no, uh, 37 is what I was told. But could he go, sometimes yeah. I, when it goes to 38, I start putting cold in. So 38's okay. Yeah, 38's okay. 37's our body temperature. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you can actually just feel with your arm and see if 38 feels too hot for you, it'll feel too hot for him as well. Yeah. But yeah, you can go a little higher. Okay. Yeah. So, mm. so we've been keeping, so when it get when it hits just above 36, we get him out mm. of the bath because we're mm. like, oh, it's gone down. And so that's been really helpful. And then the other thing is the angel care support seat. Mm, I love it. In the bath. Just, it, it just makes it so much easier. We did a couple where we were just holding him and it just really highlighted to us how amazing that support seat is. He's now strong enough that he pushes his legs on the bottom of the bath and his hips go up. And he was sort of thinking we're going to have to get the next stage up because mm. he's, you know, he's almost 
it's a hazard to have him on yeah. that seat. Yeah, yeah it, will, it will be at about this age. And it's worth getting one of those lovely bath rings. He won't be quite ready for it yet because he needs to be sitting a little bit more upright. Mm-hmm. But certainly as he gets closer to six months, the bath rings are amazing. You know, they kind of just loose the porch around them. Yeah, exactly. But I, I mean, the last four months bathing him with that support seat, I would say that is just a must for... Mm. And and I think it's cheaper than getting a baby bath, one of the small baths, and those don't last very long, whereas this is in the bath and they can, yeah. you know, I mean, he's still yeah. in it now. Yeah, I do like, I mean, I do love the schnuggle bath. It's it's a little, almost like a little bucket shape, but it's it's shaped bucket, but with slightly elongated one side. So that it's, it's almost like a, a hybrid between a bath and a bucket. And those tend to be quite nice as well. And you can kind of support them under their chin to keep their head above it. And they almost have this freedom of swimming. But like you say, and particularly with Max, who's a big boy, and they're out of them so quickly that you, it would have been a waste of money. So I agree with you. Those and Angel Care is a great um, brand for those those baby inserts. So yeah, yeah, great advice, Cass. Well, thank you so much. Very very eventful week, and I yeah. will. And you have left us again on a cliffhanger because I'm dying to know how his weight is looking and, and what happens with your um, visit to the pediatric um, team next week. Well, I'm hoping it will be next week. I haven't heard from them yet. Oh, you haven't heard yet? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure that he's striving, you know, and I think, again, you know, kind of throw back to our chat, to, you know, when we last spoke or was, you know, the last podcast we had together, I do think there is probably more anxiety in us than is necessary, no. but I, you are spot on that when a baby's weight actually drops, it's a very different story to when their weight gain slows down. Those are two very yeah. different things. And when weight gain drops, it's, it's an issue. Yeah. So, yeah. well, we'll keep you posted. <laughs> That's brilliant. Thank you, Tess. Lovely to chat. Thanks, Meg. Thanks to everyone who joined us. We will see you the same time next week. Until then, download ParentSense app and take the guesswork out of parenting.